You're listening to the Mom Inspired Show, episode 36, Cultivating Your Village series, part one. Welcome to the Mom Inspired Show. I'm your host, Amber Sandberg, and this show is created to inspire, encourage, and add a little extra fun to your day. Hey, you guys, I'm so excited to be introducing to you our new summer series called Cultivating Your Village. It's a six-week summer series, and today we are going to be talking about who is your village. This is where we dive into finding the right people because we all know that you are who you hang out with. I would highly encourage you to let your friends know about this and have them listen to this as well and come back together after the end of the series and talk about it with them. If you are still searching for your village, I hope this inspires you to take the first step in reaching out to women in your area. Also, if you aren't currently on the Mom Inspired Show Facebook group, we would love to have you there where Melissa and I are going to be interacting with you guys after each episode, and we would just love to hear your thoughts and if you have any tips on how you have cultivated your village. You can go to mominspiredshow.com, and at the top, you can click Groups, and it will take you right to my Facebook page. Let's go to the show. Melissa, thanks so much for coming back on the show. Thanks for having me, Amber. It's really exciting being here in Nashville with you in your studio to record today. I know. It's fun to actually see you in person. Yeah. Yeah. So we're talking about cultivating your village today. It's a six-part series, and today is part one, and it's all about who is your village. Right. You know what's interesting, Amber, is our in our North American culture, our the community that surrounds us is so diverse. And so we have to look at the facets of our community before we can understand the village that we belong to. So for many of us, it's school, our our kids' school, it's our churches, it's our neighborhood and our streets. Uh, How about extracurricular activities? So all those different things that are the sports teams and everything that our kids belong to, uh, our immediate family, our extended family, our friends and our work and our colleagues. So the village and the community of which we belong, there's so many different facets to it. And it's interesting because for me, I kind of uh, came to this place. I had spent the last few years uh, researching, studying, and really understanding what it means to cultivate a village around you and what that looks like. And one thing that really stuck out for me was our village is actually layered uh, with rings like a well-aged tree. And so we have the the inner core, which is our most intimate core. And then we have all these layers that kind of grow from the inside out of our community. Yeah. And so those are the relationships um, that make an imprint on our soul. And so our soul is our mind and our emotions. And it's the, the thing that drives us. It's uh, kind of our moral compass. And so I I think one of the biggest things that stuck out for me is the age-old advice from our parents. So I remember my mother saying this to me all the time, and I'm sure that most people uh, remember it, and it's, you are the company Mm. that you keep. Oh, yeah. And so every time I was making a bad choice or a bad decision, uh, my mother would remind me of that. Well, you know, if these are the friends that you're hanging out with, this is how people are going to view you and, and how it's going to shape you. And so I think the most important aspect of understanding who is our village is uh, identifying the company that we keep so we can identify the village of which we belong. Yeah, I agree. And also you are who you hang out with. I've listened to many speakers before and they really talk about who are your five closest friends and how that really influences your life. So that just goes back to what you're saying. 
with, you know, you want to really pick, you know, you really want to make wise decisions when you're choosing your village. And so do you want to go into a little bit more about the analysis of um, the data that you have found in your research? Absolutely. So there's this really amazing article that was published on the website called Scientific American. And so there's a bunch of researchers from the University of Arizona and Yale University. And it was done in 2004. And they studied the patients and the families of those patients who suffer from neurodegenerative diseases such as Alzheimer's, dementia, and ALS. Wow. So what was most fascinating is the analysis of the data revealed that the participants perceived, so that would be the family members and the most intimate people of these particular patients, the greatest disruptions in the patient's identity when they saw changes in their moral traits and not in their personality. Mm. And it was fascinating to me because quite often when we think of... uh, like these types of diseases really do affect a person very strongly. And we think it's their personality that changes and we see things come out in them that maybe you never would have seen before. But it's not their personality. The research study says it's their moral traits. It's the moral compass Mm. and how it shifts and it changes. So with that type of research, I think that it's very easy for us to conclude that the most vital part of our being is the moral code that guides us. It shapes us and it governs us. And it's by using our moral compass that we will cultivate the village around us. So if we look at it in a biblical perspective, uh, we really need to take a look at the disciples who were Christ's followers. And so we know that there were 12. And there were 12 men who uh, followed Jesus and went on this amazing adventure and journey with him. But when you really study uh, the scriptures, uh, biblical scholars have debated that three of the 12 disciples were actually closer to Jesus than the rest of them. And that was uh, Peter, James, and John, because they had witnessed more miracles. When we look at the scriptures, more miracles than any of the other disciples. And in particular, it tells us that it was John. And it says in John thirteen twenty three uh, that Jesus calls him. It's referenced that he's the disciple that Jesus loved. Mm. You know, and when you look at it, John was the one that Jesus left to care for his mother, Mary. John was the one that one of the three that witnessed his transfiguration. Uh, John was the one who was inspired to write the book of Revelation. John appears to us to be Jesus person. And so uh, I think something that you and I can both agree on is uh, and something that Amber, that you and I have talked about is having your person and in your village, who's that person who's in the most intimate core? Who's that person that witnesses the miracles in our life? Who's that person that witnesses us at our absolute worst? Not that Jesus had his absolute worst, but I'm sure Jesus witnessed John in his absolute worst. Who's the person that sees us for who we really are and how we change and how we don't change in every moment? Uh, And it was a relationship between John and Jesus and just Jesus with these disciples that was built over time. And so John's character and his moral traits became the foundation of trust between him and Christ. So for in order for us to cultivate our village, identifying the who of our village 
we have to begin building bonds of trust with other people. Yeah. And I do think that's really hard. And I feel like people don't want to be vulnerable, you know? And so do you have any thoughts on that with, you know, when you're looking for your village, right? And I feel like you've done a good job of this and that's why we're doing this together. And I feel like you have a lot to offer to other moms and other women about cultivating it. And and so with this specific uh, part of who is your village, is there something that you could tell the audience that what is one step that they could start doing? And what do you think is the easiest step um, in regards to starting that, you know, trust finding friend that you are on the hunt for without, you know, being a stalker? <laughs> <laughs> social media is so good for that. We we can stalk anybody that we want to. So without being weird. Without being weird. Yeah. What are what are your thoughts? Like if you had um people come up to you and say, you know what, how do you have such a great group of friends? Or how did you find that one? How about you share with us a little bit what you can um give to the women, like a takeaway of how they can begin this journey? I think through experience, I can tell you, uh, first and foremost, it starts with ourselves. We need to be able to look at ourselves and identify why it is we may struggle to trust other people. Yeah. And when we can begin to identify the core needs of our personality, the core needs based on our moral compass, the core needs based on the season of life that we're in, we can be realistic when it comes to identifying who is in our village and who may be uh, on an outer ring of our village. And I think it also starts with, we have to be very careful to guard our heart. But how do we guard our heart but be vulnerable at the same time? And it's recognizing that vulnerability is actually a gift. So when I'm being vulnerable with another woman, I'm actually giving her the gift of vulnerability and that freedom Mm -hmm. to be vulnerable with me. And it's letting your guard down. How do you let your guard down but still guard your heart? Well, you have to understand you can't blab your innermost thoughts to the people who may be like eight rings out of right. your yeah, most intimate them. part of your circle. Yeah. You have to be very careful uh, because you we need to be able to be strong and be strong for others and but be vulnerable and be able to balance the two. Understand that we're a work in progress. Mm-hmm constantly we're going to be uh it's human frailty is really what it is and so okay so we need to identify those three core needs that we have and the different areas of our life and so i'll give you a really great example uh i've been working in women's ministry for a while and uh, i'm writing and i'm a devotional writer for our church and uh, i do a lot of speaking and so i have a lot of friends I do have a lot of friends. I have an amazing group of women around me. And I felt that Jesus really started to speak to my heart and I needed to tune into that. And I didn't realize that I was missing the most intimate part of my village, which is uh, the, the people that I do life with. And as women, especially as moms, many of us want to have a person that we do life with. 
It kind of becomes an extension of ourselves. I didn't know that I needed that. I didn't know that I was craving that. And I was very numb to it. And I kept going and going and going, often feeling like I had to perform every time that I was in the company of other people. Mm -hmm. And there was an expectation put on my shoulders that I had made up in my head that really wasn't there. And so we lived in a new neighborhood. And I'd started to get to know some of our neighbors around us, a lot of young families. And the house right next door to us went up for sale. And so I started praying over that house. And I was like, you know, this is the season of life that I'm in. So, and I'm home and, and I write from home. So, you know, I'm, I'm an at-home mom and I have two little girls. And so I started praying and I said, you know, the, could you bring me another friend that's home, has a couple of little girls around the same age as mine. And I, I recognized what I was wanting was the neighbor that I could drink coffee over the fence with. Yeah. That was missing for me. Right. And so I kept praying over that house and praying over that house. And the house sold. And a young family uh, that are not in the same, you know, two career people having their first newborn, who was a little boy. Yeah. <laughs> moved yeah in not two little door. girls. Yep. And we just didn't see eye to eye on a lot of different things. A, a lovely, lovely family. But our hearts weren't connected. We didn't have the same faith and that sort of thing. And so I felt like Jesus had left my prayer unanswered and I kept praying it. And then sure enough, I had a friend who reached out to me and she said, I I have this girlfriend uh, that kind of just moved in and started coming to our church. And I think that you two would connect really, really well. And our church has, um, we're multi-campus. So they were at another campus. And so we uh, had tried to, to get together and to try to meet and it wasn't working out. So in blind faith, I stepped out and I reached out to her and I said, love to get to know you. A mutual friend thinks we'd be, it'd be a great connection. And would you like to come over to my house and bring your kids? They were transplants from New Hampshire. So they were Americans who got transplanted into Canada. And she recognized it was a very different culture. She didn't know a soul. She was all alone with three little girls the same age as mine. Mm. And so we got together and it was this immediate connection like a David and Jonathan in the garden. And I recognized that this was somebody that God had placed in my life. And they were in the process of moving from one rental house to another rental house. And the rental house she moved into was just a few minutes away in a walking distance from my house. And so for 18 months, we developed this incredible intimate relationship and friendship and bond. And then she left me. (laughs) And they got transplanted to another city here in Canada. Yeah. But God really opened up my eyes Mm. to you need to come to me to find the most intimate people in your village. These people need to have uh, their moral compass pointed in the same direction that you do because you are the company that you keep. And so, you know, he had provided a really amazing friendship for me that opened up my eyes to understanding what it takes to have a village. That relationship and that friendship really taught me all six parts of this podcast series that we're doing. And it made me look at myself 
and what I was lacking and what I needed to bring to the table and that it was a give and take relationship. And I had to be very vulnerable with her and let her in uh, and really share my heart with her. And I had to form a bond of trust, which wasn't easy, but it was good. (laughs) Yeah. I was going to ask you, so at what point do you feel like you really realized that this woman was different, that she could be your one? I mean, maybe you didn't think that at the time, but I mean, was it two months? Was it four months? I mean, how long? Because I feel like sometimes people... You know, especially if you can't see people multiple times in a week, it takes time between everyone's schedule. It's so busy. And so I think that's what's also hard about making friends as adults. You know, you look back in your high school days, your college days, you had a plethora of time to just be able to hang out or you did road trips or you spend the night at each other's houses and you had all this time to really build that relationship where now it's kind of like you're having to do it in between the kids. I mean, you saw this morning. So Melissa is at my house and um, we were trying to get ready for this. And uh, my husband, Todd, was trying to get the podcast stuff ready for us to be able to record. And it was crazy. I mean, there's no way that we could have actually had a meaningful conversation. I barely could get my youngest into the bathroom, which Melissa had to go help me because I was in the middle of making lunches for my other daughter and then all these things. So that is life. You know, that is life with little kids, especially. And so I think, I think some women give up. I feel like they're like, there's no time and it takes forever. And so I just wondered, did you notice when it kind of shifted for you with her? Yes. I think the shift happened when I recognized that I couldn't put up, up, you can't put up a front. Yeah. So the people that you want to do life with, you've got to let them see your life at its rawest form. Yeah. And it was was interesting because it was I saw your life at its rawest form this morning. (laughs) (laughs) And you have to be realistic and just and recognize. But this is what life is like. And so if you don't understand or recognize within yourself um, that the different areas that, that you need to what your needs are and especially for women and i think especially for moms it's going to take a lot of dialogue it's letting you see that i have to discipline my child or remove her from a room you know it's it's being raw and honest about the different things that i I don't know what i'm doing half the time and i'm flying by the seat of my pants and i think i'm wrecking my kids it's nice to see you you think you're wrecking your kids too you know and we're just but you have to open up your front door and and realize it's if if this is the moment that we have to spend together i'm not going to waste 10 minutes cleaning up the family room and sweeping the floors and doing the dishes before i have you into my home it's making the time when you see that you can right and i also think too if you really want to become close to somebody you really have to leave the judgment at the front door because if you really want to get close you are going to see that nitty-gritty you know i mean this morning i'm just going to reference it again i mean it's just crazy. There's just a lot of things going on um, with what I'm doing in my life currently, and it's adding stress. And then, um, you know, I'm trying to take care of my health. And then Serena is newly potty trained and all these things. So there's all this stuff that's happening. And then we're trying to do this. And there's no way that I could have presented that on a beautiful platter and said, here, everything looks amazing. I mean, everything was just kind of 
chaotic. And so you have to be willing to be okay with that. And then, and also know, and it goes back to what you were saying about really choosing those people wisely so that they're, that you're not having to worry about them judging you. Because if you're constantly worried about them judging you, either that person's a judgmental person and they've given you that reason, or you're going to have to let that go and just trust that they're not because you're not going to get anywhere if you're constantly thinking that. And I, I wanted to go back to um, in regards to finding the, the people. If there's if there are women out there, which I'm sure there is, that have been burned badly. Okay. So they're sitting here thinking, oh yeah, well, that's so easy for you to say to let them in and let them see my messy house. And, um, you know, let me divulge, you know, secrets or whatever. And, and, you know, I want to say too, as transparent as as you are with people, you do need to pace yourself. I wouldn't just be like, and here's my whole life story in a matter of a month or two. Um, so that you can kind of get a gauge. Right. And so you have to be smart about it, but, I know that there's people who have been burned, you know, they've been open and then somebody turned and told somebody else, you know, they're not secrets, but you know, they're, they're private stories of their life. And so if you have really wounded people listening, what would you tell them? And, and how would you encourage them to actually go find people again? As a one who's been wounded, Okay, so that's the reality, Amber, is you just nailed it. I do not believe that there is a woman walking who's never been wounded. Yeah. We have all been wounded, and that comes with life. And you have to recognize that. And you need to forgive, and you need to move forward. Because if you are picking the people that are the most intimate in your village, those people that are going to be the closest to you and you're using wisdom and you're using knowledge and you're and you're going to a God that loves us, who created us specifically for a relationship. You need to open up your eyes and recognize that not all women wound. And I'm a woman who's wounded. I've a wo- I'm a woman who's wounded others. Oh, Mm-hmm. Right? Did you know that you did it? No. No. There are times when I've hurt people and I've had no clue that I've done it. You need to recognize that maybe you were so hurt, but the person who hurt you didn't know that they hurt you. Sure. And so then what what do we do is we we turtle it in and we walk around in a fence. Yeah. And so when we're people who walk around in a fence, yeah. we don't want to be vulnerable. No. And we refuse to build bonds of trust. And I've heard out of the mouth of one woman, I have a fishbowl and I don't let anybody swim in my fishbowl. Oh, interesting. There's a few people that can knock on the glass, but I don't let anybody in. And what's heartbreaking to me is she's, you know, this this woman was so lonely. And I thought, well, why do you want to be alone in your fishbowl? Not every woman is out to hurt you, right? And And realizing too that that person who hurt you or wounded you, probably was wounded themselves, didn't recognize what was happening. And so you have to use wisdom and discernment. It takes time. If you think you are going to have a best friend overnight, it takes time to build that relationship because as much as you want to trust her, she wants to trust you. So if you are going to trust people, you have to be a trustworthy person, which means you're not 
going to gossip. You, we can't get together with this person and just be a gossip session and we talk about all the other people in our life that drive us crazy, right? right? Yeah. You have to know your boundaries, which is definitely something that we're going to get into in one of our later parts, which is awesome. And you have to realize that you need to forgive. And my husband actually has a friend who made a really great point when he had become friends with this person and they started spending a lot of time together. And it was right up front. And I remember how uncomfortable it was for it to come out of his mouth and how uncomfortable it made my husband to hear. But this friend said to my husband, at one time or another, I'm going to fail you. I may not know that I fail you and I will never want to hurt you on purpose, but I'm human. And so when I fail you, I'm I'm sorry. Mm, I love that though. Right. Yeah. And this was a man to man. Yeah, which you never hear that. You never hear that. I mean, you almost I mean, you almost feel like they wouldn't even be aware to even speak that to know because you know, guys are so like things just kind of roll off their shoulders. Right. And I mean off their back and stuff. And so for a man to actually one be aware and then communicate that. Right. Wow. Right. That's awesome. And women were, are built on relationship. Right. We yeah. are built on relationship. Mm-hmm. So we need to be of aware of that yeah. as well. Oh, yeah. We definitely do. Right. And we are going to hurt each other. Not not on purpose, right? Right. And I mean, some people may. Okay. So we need to obviously get those people out of your circle. We're talking about the people that are hurting you unintentionally, either because they don't know what's, they don't know that they're doing it. And I do think that when you are close to somebody that you can share that with them, that you're like, hey. You hurt me. I'm sure it wasn't on purpose, but I wanted to let you know. And that is really hard to do. And I feel like people are like, yeah, this is why I don't want to have close friends. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. And it's recognize we have to start with ourselves. Mm-hmm. It's admitting that, that we're not perfect either. And it starts with us. Yeah. If I want to trust somebody else to be in my village, to be a person that I can rely on, am I trustworthy myself? Am I reliable to that person? Am I realistic in what my expectations are? And am I willing to be sacrificial in the relationship? Yeah, I love it. Yeah. yeah. And I do think those are important and and key. And I do feel like you have to be willing to get to that point if you really want to have the village. Because I do think there's a lot of people who are like, yeah, I don't have a village. I don't have a village. And then you have to really examine what are you, what are you doing? What are you doing to prepare yourself to be the kind of friend that people would want to be friends with, you know? And are you putting yourself out there? Because it's easy to say, I don't have a village and then you're just sitting in your house. Absolutely. And you know, it's really uh, critical for us to identify that putting yourself out there Mm -hmm. isn't putting yourself out on social media. Putting yourself out there, it begins with one-on-one contact. We are flesh and bone. We are people that were created for quality time. We were people that are created for touch and for connection and for the human experience. And so social media has is a massive part of our culture. And we put ourselves out there on social media. And then we get so disgruntled when we get a flood back of opinions yeah. from 400 other people who oh, don't, yeah. who, who aren't thinking the way that we're thinking. Right. And then we wonder why we get hurt yeah. and we read tone in text messages, oh, yeah. right? And and we yeah. misinterpret what so people bad. say all the time. Yeah. And I, I remember with one particular friend, I would always get like one word text messages back from her every time I text. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, yeah. Right. And so I actually had to say like, this. Like, okay, fine. Right. Like, you're like, Right. I know what you mean. I like and and in my head, it was going through my head like, listen, when I texted you, I I put a lot of thought into that sentence that I actually put a period on the end of it. Right? <laughs> yeah. And so and I get a yep or a yep. Right? Yeah. And that's tough and it's recognizing that like she's not thinking the way that I'm thinking and she's got four kids running around. Right. You're lucky feet. that you have a text back. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, I agree. I just think we need to recognize within ourselves and use our moral compass, right? And it's it our moral compass will direct us to the people in our lives who are good for us yeah. and who we have something to bring to the table and we're good for them. Yeah. There's a like-mindedness right. that comes with cultivating your village. Who is like-minded mm-hmm. to me? Who enjoys things that I enjoy? Yeah. Who do I who who am I with and spending time with that makes me feel revitalized and not drained at the end? Exactly. So yeah. it's recognizing that. Well, Melissa, thank you so much for coming on the show today. And I can't wait to um, talk about what is your expectations for cultivating your village next week? And there you have it. Hey, you guys, I really hope you enjoyed this part one of the six week summer series. And we would love to hear from you at the Mom Inspired Show Facebook group. If you haven't already, feel free to join. Go to mamasfiredshow.com. You can click group and then it will take you to another page and it will take you directly to the Facebook group page. So you guys, I hope this inspires you to reach out and find some new friends and I can't wait to see you next week.